0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The Pharisees were one of the groups that formed in Judaism during what is called the Intertestamental Period. The approximately 400 years between the end of the prophetic career of Malachi at the end of the Old Testament and the arrival of John the Baptist at the beginning of the New Testament. And with the rise of these groups at that time, things changed. Judaism changed. The Judaism of Jesus' day was quite different than what we read of in the scriptures. In the time of Moses and the judges and the kings. Many of their teachings, rules, and laws, their traditions, are not found in the pages of Scripture. They evolved and grew during this intertestamental time, along with and under the tutelage of these groups like the Pharisees. Now, to be charitable, most were, I'm sure, well-intentioned. Though a few could be considered questionable. But this is why Jesus sparred so often with the Pharisees. Like what we heard in the Holy Gospel today. They were insisting that their traditions be regarded and followed as the word of God. What they said was it. But Jesus knew better. These were not In God's law, not in the scriptures. And while some of them may have been good and helpful, others were not. Others, in fact, contradicted and went against the clear word of God. And anything that goes against the word of God, however well-intentioned, however wise-sounding, however impressive, however seemingly enlightened... Whatever goes against the word of God has to go. But this doesn't just happen back then or in Jesus' day. The same thing happened in the time leading up to the Reformation. Groups were forming within the church and from them changes in teachings, in traditions, and in the liturgy had crept in. Things were evolving Most, I'm sure, well-intentioned, and some, I'm sure, helpful, but others were not. Others went against the word of God, and anything that went against the word of God had to go. You could say the same thing has been happening in our church in our day and age Though so today with our technology, the changes happen at a much faster pace. But it is not hard to see how some churches have changed their teachings on a whole host of issues. Things that were spoken against in the past are now considered okay. And in some cases, not just okay, but good and right and salutary. But we should not just accept these things These changes uncritically. Some may be good. But some may not. Some may be against the word of God. And for those. However well intentioned. However wise sounding. However impressive. However seemingly enlightened. Anything that is against the word of God. Has to go. Sadly though. Some churches have held on to such teachings and insisted that not these new teachings, but the word of God, has to go. In the Holy Gospel we heard today, the issue facing Jesus was twofold. First, it was the Pharisees insisting on their tradition of washings, which really isn't bad. Washing is good, right? During this pandemic, we were told how many times to wash our hands. The problem was the Pharisees were teaching that these washings were commands and doctrines given by God when they weren't. So they were speaking where God had not spoken, misrepresenting the word of God, which if you can do with something that's not so vital like washings, you can also do with things much more important like the commandments, which in fact is what Jesus points to next. The Pharisees also had a tradition called Korban, which prohibited them from doing anything for their father or mother, a clear violation, as Jesus points out to them, of the fourth commandment which commands us to honor, serve, obey, love, and cherish our parents, a commandment by the way you never outgrow. So as Jesus pointed out, their tradition was actually not just contradicting, but trumping the word of God. In our day and age, One of the new teachings or traditions that has overtaken the word of God, not just in the world, but also in some churches, is with regard to what we heard about today in the epistle, marriage. Now, I'm not going to pick on any group today. You all know what has happened to marriage in recent years, and to preach against just them would just make all of you smug and self-righteous, and that's not good either. Because the reality is that the problems in our world, our society, and our culture go much farther back than just recent history and recent changes and recent redefinitions. And there is a reason here for us to repent. Yeah, us. That we have not taught about nor upheld marriage as we should. That the God-given role of husbands and wives is good and something we should strive to live by. That sexuality is reserved for the marriage of one man and one woman and was designed for the procreation of children. But do we wink at those today who violate that? At sexuality run rampant in our world today and infecting just about everything? And have we bought into it? Do we turn a blind eye to the pandemic of folks who are living together without being married? Have we thrown up our hands at divorce, thinking, ah, it's not such a big deal? Oh, well. Do we choose not to address the issue of pornography? Because, well, boys will be boys. Do we encourage our children to marry and have children in that order? And that that's good to do so. Do we regard children as a gift and blessing from the Lord? Or has medical technology made procreation so clinical that we think the where, when, why, what, who, and how of children is in our control? I could go on and on. The problem with all this, whether it is what happened with the Pharisees or at the time of the Reformation or today, isn't just a matter of rules and laws and morals. It is far more important than that. It is that Jesus gets lost. The commandments were not given to make us good because they can't. The commandments were given to show us that we're not good and that we need Jesus. We need his forgiveness and his life and his salvation. We need him to bear our sins for us on the cross. And if we think we're not so bad, and that those things God calls sins really aren't sins, then there's no need for us to repent. There's no need for forgiveness. There's no need for Jesus. And that is not a good place to be. Because on the last day without Jesus, you're facing a dismal future. And that's putting it lightly. So the pure word of God is important. Because Jesus is important. You've all heard me say, all my members have heard me say before, the Bible is not just a rule book. It's not a rule book. It's a Jesus book. From beginning to end, it's all about him. Even the verses we heard about from Paul today about marriage. Did you hear what he said there? Right in the middle of all this talk about husbands and wives, he says this mystery is profound. And I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. He was first and foremost talking about Jesus Christ as the loving, perfect bridegroom. And his church as his bride This is the way Christ cares for his bride. This is the way the church submits to Christ's headship. And God wants to bless our marriages in the same way. This isn't a rule to follow to make God like you. It's a reality for God to bless you. And so to change or ignore or disregard the word of God in this or any other way it's not just a matter of rules, of who's good and who's not. It is to miss out on the blessing God has for us in Christ Jesus. A blessing we want, and as the church, we want all people to have. So the call to repentance is not a call to condemn, but to receive. To receive the forgiveness, life, blessing, and salvation of Jesus that he won for you on the cross, because that is what we need, and that is what Jesus wants to give to all people, whoever they are, however they live. That's why catechesis is so important for the church. To know the word of God that gives us life. To know that word made flesh. And all that he has done for us. To know what God has said. So that when the world or even the church says something different. We'll know. Something's not right. That with this false teaching. Jesus. Jesus. Is being taken away from us. So we have catechesis for the sake of Jesus, to give us Jesus. And in catechesis, as my catechumens would tell you today, we actually read the word of God and discuss it. And then we see how that word is reflected in the catechism. And then we see how that word is lived in the liturgy. And then we see how that word that we receive here and the gifts that we receive here, we take out with us into the world to live with others and give them to others. It's all about the word of God and Jesus. And that word of God tells us not only about Jesus and who He is and what He has done for us, it also tells us who we are. And that's something so important today: to know who you are. This, I, uh, this, the issue of identity, right? Is so big in our world today. People claim identities for themselves. Certain identities are considered good and others bad. People try to steal your identity. But what the word of God tells us is that your identity is a gift. It is something given to you by the one who created you and the one who redeemed you and the one who wants you for his own And that your identity is not what the world tells you it is. It's not what you say it is. It's what God says it is. And this is what he says. You are my baptized child. You belong to me. Your sins are forgiven. And you are an heir of heaven. And that identity trumps any other. Because that identity is eternal. But that's something we have to learn. So we catechize. We read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest the word of God. And we rejoice in this gift and in being a child of God. That's why today is such a day of joy. As Audra, Barbara, and Joe come up here and confess the word of God and say that even if they are threatened with death, this is who they are that the life and forgiveness Jesus gives, no one can take from them. Those are big words. Too big if they were ours. But not too big for Jesus, who backed them up with his resurrection from the dead. Who promised to be with us, and to strengthen us, and to provide for us, And to come back again for us and take us home. And so he will. So we can be confident and sure. And confident and sure in this too. That today is just a beginning. Confirmation is not an ending. Satan is going to step up his attacks and assaults against Audra, Barbara, and Joe. And he's going to continue to harass and hound all of us. And the world isn't going to stop its opposition to the word of God. And our own sinful flesh is still going to try to pull us away and drag us back down into sin. The word of God tells us all that too. Life isn't going to be easy. So today is the beginning of Barbara and Audrey and Joe receiving the body and blood of Jesus with us of continuing to receive the forgiveness of their sins with us and being strengthened with this food. They'll need it as badly as the rest of us do. The bridegroom here caring for his bride and giving us all we need and directing our eyes not just to the cross and what Jesus provided for us there, but also through the cross to the empty tomb And the life that never ends. So if you think about it, that means we're really in a kind of in-between time ourselves. Not an intertestamental time, but the time between Jesus' ascension and his coming again in glory. And in this time, this in-between time, traditions have come and gone. There have been plenty of false teachings and there will be plenty more. But what doesn't change is the word of God. So to that we cling. In that we rejoice. And we rejoice most of all that when we fail and fall. That Jesus clings to his bride. To us. With his forgiveness. He will not stop. And he will not let you go. He loves you. Too much. So, Audra, Barbara, and Joe, we rejoice in the word you have received, the forgiveness you have received, and the life you have received, and that you will continue to receive with us here. We rejoice that God has brought you here. You are a blessing to us, as we will strive to be a blessing to you. Call us to repentance when we need. We'll do the same. Forgive us. Pray for us. And expect the same from us. And rejoice with us in the faithfulness of God. As he builds his church, his bride. And leads us home. In the name of the Father and of the Son